All right. On uh, today's episode number 19, we have Andrew Raycroft from the uh, Boston Bruins, former Calder Trophy winner. We have some off-ice tips that the Rink Shrinks would like to give you guys. We got some NHL talk. would like to thank our sponsors, Franklin Sports, TSR Hockey, Cross Country Mortgage, as well as The Sixth Line. Make sure you log on to www.thesixline.com to register today for upcoming defenseman camps with the Rank Shrinks. We have clinics coming up at the New England Sports Center, the Canton Sportsplex. Both of those are in June and the Canton Ice House in July. Log on to thesixline.com for more details and learn from the shrinks on the ice just like you do off the ice. All right, Mots, what do you say here? You ready to roll? All righty to roll. Let's go. All right, Mots, we are back, episode 19. What's going on, my man? Not too much. Weather's nice, getting outside. I love going to the field, per usual, with the kids in the softball field. Hit the links a couple times over the oh. last week. Yeah. Did, you so. invite, did, did you invite our producer, Colin a, no, I, nope. He nope. He is in the queue, like we talked about last time. So. I'm yeah. in the bullpen. How about, uh, how about BY? BY saying on Twitter yesterday that he hasn't golfed all week. However, on Monday, he was in the AJ Quetta golf tournament, and he views scrambles as not – I mean, I guess I'm wording this wrong – Scrambles are not golf, according to BY, which is uh, an absurd yeah. thing. Mots, would you agree? I would have to uh, agree. Thank um, you. Yeah. If, you, if you're if you playing in a scramble, it's not, I guess, real golf. Yeah. I played in a bramble, which is kind of a compromise between the scramble and playing your own ball. So, yeah, I, I would agree with BY on that. Okay. It, All, right. Yeah. All right. I'm off. I'm wrong. I'll, I'll admit when I'm, I'll take the L when I'm wrong. That's yeah, fine. You keep sit, sitting your ar- orange soda over there. <laughs> Jesus, what are you, 12? I don't know. My wife had it upstairs, so I grabbed it. Unbelievable. So you're just, you're 0 for 2 right now. You're drinking orange tonic. Like a, I'm having like a week. I'm having yeah, a week. Let's just be honest. You're yeah. having a week. Yeah. And a scramble is, yes, it's a, you actually go to a golf course, but it's not a real tournament. You're not posting a score. I understand handicap, that. I understand. And it's just, it, it, it does more harm to your game than good. It's usually just a, it's a, Usually a booze fest, but fortunately I was very well behaved. But that was a great tournament, um, the AJ Quetta tournament. Good to see he's doing well. I wasn't able to stick around afterwards because we had, uh, like you, Mott's multiple sporting events in the family and then uh, our D skills that we were running. So we're, we, uh, but it was great, great showing. They had volunteers, they had uh, two different courses, uh, Brook Meadow and Canton, as well as the, um, Cape Club in Sharon, the old Spring Valley, where I was a, a cot boy for a few years. So that was, that was, it was, it was a great showing, tons of volunteers, tons of people out on the course, helping you find your balls and things like that. So it was a really nice showing and it's good to see AJ doing well. I know there was uh, some celebrities at, at, at the courses, uh, not including myself, obviously. Hey, you're, you're like a B minus celebrity, I would say. Yeah. More like a D minus. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself a B. That's great that, you know, you know, we had that um, kind of live uh, show for, for AJ, but just like the outpouring of support that we received kind of you know, donating funds, donating time and just trying to help out in any way possible, it just really shows the quality of the, the hockey community and the fabric of the people that make, make it up. And, it's really great to hear that he's doing well. And, um, you know, as far as the golf tournament, you know, even though it isn't golf per se, you know, it, it does accomplish the goal of raising some money and 
that's great that you're able to participate too, BY. Yeah, great gifts too. You could tell they had a ton of, I didn't want any raffles or at least I gave my tickets to somebody I didn't hear for, from uh, anyone that I want anything. Yeah. But uh, you never know those code of Charlestown rules apply in that, in that one, I guess. But I ended up, they had great gifts. They gave some nice uh, little speaker with the GPS and uh, some nice Yeti cups that I'm, I got some H2O in right now. Nice. A uh, couple other things, some nice t-shirts and, and things like that. So it was nice, really good. And there was people from all over the hockey community, like you said, really come and unite and, and raise money and help out AJ through his, uh, through his journey and his recovery here. And he's down uh, in Atlanta, I believe right now doing well. Uh, I saw a nice video, like I said, which was, which was great, but other news you've been watching, uh, we don't want to get, get too caught up in it, but you've been watching some NHL. That's been uh, really cutting into the sleep. Yeah, well, it's great to have so many games on, but the one thing that we can take away from it is um, the quality of play. You know, you're getting everyone's best shift. Um, you know, most of the, the players are playing how the coach really wants you to play, so, that, you know, getting chances is very difficult. Um, and then you see some guys that just still kind of play the right way. So it's an interesting dynamic, but the, the quality of play is great. You know, the intensity, some of the series are a little bit more physical than others, but I think that's the one thing that we can, we can look at as being dialed in and, and playing to your best abilities and getting, giving your best shifts right from the drop of the puck. And for kids listening, it's very important to do that at a young age so that you can get the most out of your, out of your ability. But when you see these, NHL players, best players in the world doing it, it, it provides a great product. And I think that I think it's the best sport out there, you know, playoff hockey. So it's been exciting to coach it up and catch two or three games a, a night. So this is the best time of year. Yeah, it's awesome. Any any early cup favorites for you? I know it's still early, but... Boston is built pretty well. They're, they're deep. And if Tuka can play how he can, you know, he's always... The goaltending is the next factor. But I like Colorado. Colorado is dangerous. They have, you know, they're deep as well, but they have some game breakers, a bunch of game breakers, and they're exciting to watch. You know, they, they just play fast and and uh, keep coming at you. So I would say those two um, out of the East and the West. I don't want to pull a U on ESPN and steal your pick like you did that, that time, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I totally blanked. I'm like, uh, 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 so I'll go uh, Colorado. No, I do like Colorado. I think Tampa's been flying. They're good. I really like Carolina, too. They're, they're like kind of under the radar, too, but, but I really like their game. And if I'm thinking of another Western team, Vegas is very good as well. They look they look good. So yeah, it's Carolina. still wide open. Carolina plays inspired, you know, like Rod Brendamore from the top down. He's everything you hear. I've never met him, but everything you hear about the guy, he, he coaches the way he played and like an honest, hardworking, great, created a great environment there. And it was great to see fans in the stands down yeah. in Carolina. Just it just it brings another element to it, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. I mean, he can just he can just fat shame anybody anyways he just walks in the <laughs> locker room it's like guys are you not working hard like and just takes off his shirt and like oh this is what i got going what are you guys doing you yeah know? yeah just the hottest worker on the team is the coach that's a tough when you get in the in the uh the sauna or the steam and he's all ripped up like your cushing report card it's like oh boy <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly exactly the uh yeah, it's been good. It's been exciting. It's been fun to watch. I uh, it's it's definitely cut into the sleep, the sleep, especially for me with my schedule. But hey, we get through it. It's a short period of time here, and it's been good to uh, 
to add on to like you said at the beginning, the uh, the nice weather. Uh, we're moving on here in, in Massachusetts from COVID, and uh, it's been nice to see the kids outside, like without masks on, playing ba- uh, baseball and and lacrosse and different sports like that. It's been uh, it's been nice. It's been nice. Yeah, I think May 29th is like the the real lift. So, yeah, they did it for my birthday. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'll yeah. Make sure that uh, Cullinan pops out of a cake for you. <laughs> You're the, uh, aren't you the dancing expert? You're the showman over there. Why yeah. Probably, probably your role. Yeah. yeah I don't he's know. Gonna, he's going to have a Fanta cake for me. <laughs> I just saw Mott's with a pole or something that looked like orange soda. I don't know it's, if he's hiding something. Yeah, it's over. water though. Oh, yeah. okay. Like one of those seltzers or whatever. Yeah. I, as I took a sip, yeah, I was like, it does look like a Fanta. Yeah, he's, gonna an, say. he's an adult. You remember those fan, like Wanna Fanta? Don't you want that? The, mach- the machines at the rank that yes. dispense the uh, styrofoam cup and then the, the oh, syrupy yeah. uh, fountain drink. Yeah. Yes. I was always a Fanta guy. Yeah. Fountain Dew, though. Mm. Nothing better than Fountain Dew. So, as uh-huh. far as, um, you know, kind of the off season of uh, getting away from the ranks, we talk about a bunch. Um, I feel like we could, we could probably put a little summer challenge together for. Our listeners out there, um, you know, we did this a lot as as a coach. I did this a lot with my teams and my, my kids, uh, just trying to get something in place, you know. And what do you think, BY? Should, should we just put something out there? We'll have the Instagram. We'll stay. We would like some updates and, and um, you know, what do you think for challenges for our listeners? Yeah, so there's a, you know, I think we can definitely start off with some uh, some puck shooting challenge. I think that's an easy one. Uh, I think that, you know, we'd like to come out with some different videos and things like that. We're in talks with one of our sponsors, Franklin, um, Franklin Sports, and about doing some weekly giveaways and things like that. So stand by for that on our social media. Um, Franklin Street Hockey's been very, uh, very helpful with that. So we're working on um, on lining something up with them, which I think would be cool. But I think, yeah, we could, you know, I think, Mots, what do you think is a good weekly number for guys to, to that they can, you know, that's achievable, that they can do? And I think it's going to ultimately when, you know, if you're putting pucks um, to the pavement or, or wherever it may be and, and shooting in your yard or in your driveway or down your basement, wherever it may be, um, it's it's gonna transfer and you're gonna see results come you know season time in september yeah i mean an easy round number we could do a thousand pucks for 10 weeks it's 100 pucks a week i know if if you're shooting pucks and you're on it consistently it's it's much easier to obtain a uh or attain a bigger number a thousand pucks a week yeah no 100 pucks a week for 10 weeks gotcha i was gonna say yeah, I think that's very simple. You know, like yeah. you know, yeah, like that makes sense. We got we have a lot of people at varying ages, but you know, the older you get, you can kind of work at it a little bit more. You can bump it up to two thousand. But I would say a hundred bucks a week is a very easy number to kind of start with, and that's something. Once you get out there, and and it's really about not just shooting to shoot, just say that you did it. You want to practice with a purpose, and you want to be able to. If you do not have good technique, maybe we can be why. Maybe we can just do a little um, tutorial on the social media as well as it gets closer once we team up with Franklin on yeah. what we're going to be giving away. But just you know, basic wrist shots. If you're a younger player, you want to work on that technique. Don't worry about it coming off the ice or off the ground. 
um, because that technique, if you have the right technique, it's gonna it's gonna come off, and you'll be able to raise it. But if you start sacrificing technique um, to just to get the puck off the ice or or off the the pavement, then you're not gonna have um, you're not gonna be, have that foundation to build on, you know, as, as you get going. So I think by that's I think that's in the queue for us too. You know, nice little tutorial on on a basic wrist shot and then a snapshot as far as showing the kids the right way because you want to do you do want to practice with a purpose and make sure you get that technique down because you'll be yeah. practicing the wrong way and and that's counterproductive. Yeah, and I think as you as you progress like you said and you get older, right? And you you you're that 14, 15 year old kid that you're saying, "Oh, this is kind of silly." Like work on different things, work on changing the angle you shot, work on, you know, dragging the puck uh in with you, work on even like a little pump fake. Uh, obviously, you can work on your slap shot and things like that as well. Work on your backhander. Don't just work on that simple uh, wrist shot. And I, I, you know, I think goalies too. Goalies, uh, as you can see in the playoffs, and you can see the miscue last night in the Boston game. Um, you being able to go out and stop the puck and rim it, or or make a, a pass up to your defenseman, is so valuable. And it all starts just like the the you know the forwards and the defensemen working on it in your driveway. It's not there's not a lot of time in practices, uh, whether it's the summer or the winter, uh, that goalies really focus on their, on their, um, shooting. So work on it off the ice. It's, it's important. So I'm calling out you goalies out there, um, you know, challenge yourself this summer and you guys are in, you guys are included in that hundred puck a week, thousand puck challenge. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. You put your gloves on as a goalie and figure out what you like best, you know, that over the top with the glove or underneath. The old Monty Turco. Yeah, no, the, it it just gives you a chance to work on it, um, you know, away from the rink, and that's a huge part of being a uh, another next level goalie. If once once you can get out of the, the goal to stop a puck, that's like the first step. It's anticipation, it's footwork, and and really stopping that puck. But those goalie D exchanges as you get older are so important. And then if you can stop moving the puck consistently with a little. Uh, you know, with with some crisp um, passes, then you you kind of separate yourself from the guys that just stop pucks. So that's that's a great point, BY. That I, I never really even thought about having the goalie shoot pucks in the driveway either. You know, so that's hey, yeah. And I can't one, forget about my tenders. One last thing on that. Um, so I, I like to talk about your default setting or like the. The, the shot that you will do when you have no time in a game and you get the puck in the slot. So you can work on your default setting in the driveway because all everyone wants to shoot high, go bar down or bar Mexico, like you know Ryan says. <laughs> so it's like I, I, I understand it because I, w- I lived it. I, I love top right. It was easier. Like I could hit it. But now if you look at the goalies, they take up a lot of space. Sometimes the the – um, the holes aren't there until they go down into a butterfly. So my advice would be to shoot as a lefty, low blocker. So just think about the height of the pad up on the post, put a piece of tape and just shoot there and just try to make something like that your default. So when you have the puck in the slot, you you get on top of the puck and fire it instead of just trying to go high because a lot of times you don't have time and then you'll be shooting it over the net. but Two things it it you can score a goal and also you can create a rebound that continues the play um, in the scoring area. So 
That's one area that I always ex- stress to my teams is work on your default setting and don't just try to shoot, um, you know, bar down and make it making it look and sound cool. Have an effective default and, and shoot to score when you um, when you're doing it, too. So like that practice with a purpose. So that kind of all goes together. Big default setting guy, you are. You struggled with the uh, three way calls I, I <laughs> that and things like that. But no, it's a it's a great point. Uh, while we're talking about all this off ice training and stuff, um, you know, I'd like to talk about our, our sponsor, Franklin Sports. Uh, we're always talking about how important it is to play multiple sports growing up and not getting burned out by too much hockey and keeping it fun. It's also so important to develop skills like hand eye coordination for. Uh, from baseball, across footwork, and soft hands from flag football or soccer. Our partner, Franklin Sports, can act as the one-stop shop for all the equipment you need to play these other sports. In addition to street hockey equipment, they're offering all of our listeners 20% off their entire website of sports equipment at franklinsports.com. Enter the coupon code RINKSHRINKS for 20% off site-wide through the end of 2021. Street hockey equipment, soccer balls, nets, footballs, batting gloves, baseball equipment, pickleball, cornhole, volleyball, and more. When the ice melts, Mots, we keep playing. That's Franklin's motto. Yeah, Mike motto. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's legitimate. Um, they have a ton of resources, some tools that you can work on. This is all great stuff that we're talking about for bettering your game away from the rank. And Franklin Sports can be your one-stop shop to help you. Um as well as, uh, you know, all the other great uh, items that they have for the backyard, staying outside, being a backyard athlete instead of a backyard loser. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The, uh, the, it's that time of year too. Kids are playing street hockey and things like that. And these, you know, they, they have the NHL street hockey balls. There's a 15 pack. It's 30 bucks. You get 20% off. What's that month? It's like you save yourself six bucks. You throw in, um, you know, some mini hockey nets or another net or one of those fold up, uh, uh, mini nets that those lunatic parents are going to be, uh, taken to tournaments and things like that. So they can, they can play on and, you know, you can, there's some pretty good savings with that 20% off franklinsports.com. So thanks again to those guys. Um, one thing Mott's too is, you know, we've talked a lot about passing and becoming a better passer. And obviously I think, um, you know, part of being a better, better passer is it will translate a bit. Uh, if you are doing those challenges of shooting pucks off the ice, you can work on your saucer passing and things like that into a net. Um, but I think it just helps with your overall confidence in the stick, right? Like being more comfortable, being able to use that stick the right way. Obviously, we heard Keith's quote last week about the flex and kids not being able to use the big curves and things like that. But I think the more you do this stuff away from the rink, the better passer you're going to become as well. Is there anything that you can think of like – drills or, or little exercises that you can you can work on away from the uh from the ice surface to become a better player you know there is some some products out there that you can have the bounce back um yep you know you need the, like, the tiles to use the real pucks but there's um there's pucks that slide on the concrete and i used to make um stick handling balls <laughs> homemade cool old, old, <laughs> old school yeah so if you have if you don't want to go out and get this stuff, then you, you can build one at home. You have one of those wiffle balls with all the little holes in it instead of like just the slits. And then you cut up a tennis ball. Oh yeah. Old school. Yeah. And then you, you twist it into the, uh, the center of the, 
the wiffle ball and it takes on the same weight as a puck, just a little bit lighter. And mm-hmm. that slides awesome on the, um, on any pavement, um, you know, tennis court. Sometimes those get sticky, uh, when the, the tennis ball would stick, but, um, yeah, that's one. And then you need, I think you just find someone, you know, a little brother, sister, friend, and you just snap it around. And that's one area where if you have those uh, pucks that slide, you can put the spin on it and really start working on that in the driveway, spinning the puck enough to keep it flat. And, um, you know, you can develop good habits because you know, it is passing has been something that we've talked about, but it's it's a skill that is very undervalued. And I feel that the kids, you know, if, if – Coaches are starting, you know, with a younger group, really emphasize the importance of it. And hopefully, you know, we can have some influence on some development here because um, the the level of passing, even, you know, as the kids got older, uh, get older, has, has kind of really fallen off. So uh, work on that in the driveway with a partner or if you can have one of those bounce back little tools, that's pretty cool. Um, and then with the street hockey ball, um, trying to keep it as flat as possible. And that's also just creating that spin, like letting it slide off the toe a little bit and uh, you're able to snap it as well. Yeah, well, Franklin has some of those pucks that if you are on like a flat surface, they'll work too. And, you know, I know living in the city, we have a couple street hockey rinks around where the surface is pretty flat where you can mm-hmm. get away with using, a, a, you know, a, a rubber puck, I guess it would be called. But um you know, at least you get the motion down and you get that actually uh, swiping of the puck motion down rather than just the flick, right? Most of the results of bad passing that we see are guys, you know, most of the curves now are those big toe curves and it gets caught up in it and players are just flicking the puck. So anything you can get that heel to toe swipe of the puck and try to keep it as flat as you can uh, away from the rink will work. And like I said, I think, you know, saucer passes and things like that are something that you can work on and just like you would with the shot right try to um you know a little throw a little sauce on it to the net and it's something that can be very very valuable you don't just use it for that sauce hockey game yeah a little marinara <laughs> alfredo <laughs> exactly and then you know speaking of uh of, of you know little little tips uh from us going away from the rink, I always grew up doing the the push up pyramid mots, and I think you can do it with with basically any exercise. And I'm not a huge math guy, but it ends up being about a hundred uh, hundred or so push ups. You start at one, um, you bang out one rep of one, and then one, uh, two, three, four, all the way up to ten, and then you go ten back down to to uh, to one. Which I think it was always successful. It was always something that like as you're sitting there watching the TV. Uh, as you you know, watching the Bruins game, maybe in between periods or uh, you know, in between whistles, you can bang them out pretty easily. So work on that push-up pyramid, Mots. Maybe you can do a little tutorial on, uh, <laughs> on proper push-ups too. Uh, I'll be able to get to one, but uh, the yeah, we would do that after games. You know, mm-hmm. you gr- grab like two or three guys and you go in a circle. So your rest would be wh- whenever the other guys are going. You yep. do two guys or whatever, but. If you buy yourself, it's it's fine. You just take a quick break, um, but that's that's something you can control, and I, you gain so much strength from doing a good push up. And you could start for younger kids. You know, you can just do one to five, five to one. You know, yeah. so j- just trying to get something in place to to build on. But that's a very um, important um, habit to get into. You're working on your triceps, which helps you with your shot. Um, you know, you can get ripped up for the beach. 
yeah, you know, with the packs, you know, but in keeping that core tight and making sure you just do the if you're doing proper push ups, who cares how many you do? Really, it's really about doing the the quality versus how many uh, with the quantity. But that's that's a, a a great drill to do as well as squats. I mean, air squats, one legged squats. I always talk about doing stuff off of my um, with the kids off of the back steps. Right, so we have two stairs and there's just a little landing, but you can you can do box jumps on them. That first step, the second step, and then you know the the higher one, depending on you know how uh, advanced you are. But you can get off the edge, trying to get down to ninety degrees with a one legged squat. It's actually better to have a little weight in your hand to counterbalance yourself. It's it doesn't make it that much more difficult. It actually helps you. Um, or even just like hold on to the edge of like a beam or um, a post just to give you that balance. But it really just, again, the quality, getting down, really working at the, the depth and, the, and the, um, the technique is the most important thing in, in anything you do. But yeah, push-up pyramid, squat pyramid, combining those would be great. Yeah, sit-ups, um, doing them and, and doing it like you just said, you used to do it after games, you used to do it after, like you do that at the end of a workout, just because you go and, and you know, you're 14, 15, 16 years old or even older and you get your workout in and it's like, oh, I'm not done for the day. That's something you can do before bed or just something a little extra, right? When everybody else is sleeping, um, you you bang that out, you get it done and you it, it doesn't take a lot of time. You can really get it done quickly. So push-ups, squats, sit-ups, and then, uh, I know, Mots, you definitely used to you, – you probably made your own wrist curl bar back in the day. My son came home uh, from his trainer the other day with one that – he had a nice one, nice PVC with a uh, – with the with the string or, or rope, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and you know, I, I forget what, what – how heavy the weight is, a 5- or 10-pound little um, plate and uh, doing those. And I, I hadn't done one in years, and I was like, wow, these – but, you, you know, again – for shooting, for passing, for getting stronger and that strength, that that grip strength, it it's such a uh, a great thing. I'm sure there's plenty of them that you can you can find online to buy now, but it's something that uh, a handyman like you uh, probably made many of back in the day. Yeah, my brother and I made a bunch. We uh, would take a broken stick, even yeah, sticks, and, right, right. Yeah, put put a little uh, hole through it, grab some rope. Um, yeah, there's there's a number of ways you can do it. The PVC pipe is the easiest, I think. Yep. Um, but yeah, you know, it helps with a good handshake when you're looking someone in the eye. You know, so there's so many benefits of having good uh, hand, wrist, and forearm strength. The shooting, the passing, like you said, Bry, and um, just overall strength. It just it really is a, an important area that uh, you can just do. Even if you get some squeeze grips, watching TV. Um, you know, I, I actually have them in the in the truck. You know, I, I still, <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. But oh, I'm going goodness. to work and I'm just squeezing away, like like getting like extremely fatigued. And uh, I would love to pull up next to you on yeah. the highway and see you doing that. <laughs> like, uh, what was that over the top with uh, Sylvester Stallone? Oh yeah! The, uh, remember when he's the uh, arm wrestler with the he's hat on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. It, you know where it really helps the wrist strain too is twisting off the um, the bottle cap and the orange soda like Cullinane's drinking too. 
You don't, need to, you don't need to revert to, you know, asking your wife if she can help you open it, if it's stuck on a little tight. I heard, just to let you know, I disappeared because I heard a loud bang upstairs. So I ran up like the alpha male that I am. So yeah. I can drink orange soda and be a, uh, you know, a guy with calloused hands, just like you guys. Wow. You're an animal. Yeah. You are an animal. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, all right, Mott. Well, what do you think? Uh, it's it's about time. We have, uh, we're have very lucky to be joined today by Andrew Raycroft. Um, great guy. You had the chance to work with him uh, down at ESPN. Very, uh, very handsome set you guys were. And uh, just uh, a great guy, great goaltender back in the day and does a great job uh, covering the Boston Bruins. Mott, um, you got anything to add before we shoot it over to him? Yeah, he's a great guy. We, uh, you know, we played against one another in the minors early on in my career, and he went on to have a, a great career. And he's doing a fantastic job uh, with his anal, uh, analytical work and on Nesson. And it was fun to do the ESPN stuff too. But super guys, I hope you guys enjoy his his insight into the game and his path. Before we get to Andrew Raycroft, we'd like to talk about cross country mortgage. We're pumped and appreciate that our friend Devo is jumping on board with us here. If you own a home and haven't looked into refinancing in a while, have a quick chat with Devo to see if it makes sense for you. It's a no-brainer. Many people don't understand the impact that a refinance can have on their monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so you can put more money into savings or other projects. Check them out at chrisdevin.com. Again, go to chrisdevin.com and he and the team at Cross Country can let you know if they can save you some dough, Cross Country Mortgage LLC, MMLS number 47305. Yeah, Chris is a great, great dude, great friend, and he's uh, he's doing a great job over there at Cross Country. BY. What do you think? I got to talk to Devo, actually, because my wife's uh, she's all over me. She wants to do the porch over. She wants to do a little a little patio in the back. I got I got some ideas at the backyard so I don't have to mow it so much. Uh, so yeah, definitely check out chrisdevin.com. Devo's the best, uh, great dude and great hockey dad. And here he is, Andrew Raycroft. All right. And our next guest on the Rink Shrinks podcast is Andrew Raycroft. Andrew was the 135th pick in the 1998 draft. He won the Calder Trophy as the NHL Rookie of the Year in 2004. Uh, he had a great career with the Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs, Colorado Avalanche, Vancouver Canucks, Dallas Stars, and uh, played a bit in Europe, uh, a little bit of a suitcase, clearly. Uh, welcome to the show, Andrew Raycroft. Lots of suitcases at the end. Uh, got a little painful, but uh, kept hanging around. I guess that's the good news. Yeah, you're, you're like a glue guy, you know? Yeah, yeah backup glue guy. Exactly. Yeah, the, the glue guy that takes shots after practice. That's right. Lots of rebound game for me. Brutal. Yeah, <laughs> the rebound game is great. <laughs> yeah, I was I was kind of like a half goalie coach because, you know, I'd have to shoot on the goalie. Yeah, that's right. Before, before and after practice. <laughs> 20 minutes before, 40 yeah. minutes after. Yeah. Know all the drills. You can run a practice for sure. Yeah, I try to implement it into the, uh, the practices, but, yeah, there's some – some basic stuff that I picked up, and I don't pretend to know much about the position, but you know, I'm like, see the puck, stop the puck, right? That's it. It's that easy. And I'm I'm lucky enough to be the only guy that has a Gmail account on this uh, <laughs> podcast. The other two that I'm joined with, Mots and and Rays, are both old school players with the uh, the Hotmail account. So that that could be your biggest accomplishment, and at least you know. Hey, you've stayed true to that that Hotmail account, no matter what country you were in or what city you were in, that's for sure. If nothing else, I'm very loyal 
especially to Hotmail, 1997 <laughs> or something like that, which is <laughs> hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah, you, sh- you should see about maybe Hotmail. See if they sponsor uh, the the Morning Brew podcast that you're uh, that you've I, been doing. You're right. I, they, I deserve it after all the spam emails I've taken and since '97, <laughs> and all the money they've taken from those spam email guys. That I deserve a little bit from them. Yeah, no question. Yeah, could you talk to us about the Morning Brew and um, you know how it came out, uh, came about, and and kind of the the premise of it? I'd love to, and I appreciate the plug uh, morning brew at Jaffe and razor. And it's, it's mostly Jaffe's creation, Billy Jaffe's thoughts. And we basically, it's just about getting 25 minutes of talk radio that, that we don't necessarily get, you know, you get it a little bit during playoff time now where you can turn the radio on and listen, but during Patriot season, Red Sox playoffs, you're, you're not getting much hockey talk. So we wanted to, do that. Keep it nice and short and, and just touch on the game from the night before like like they do in Toronto or Montreal and, and talk all day about every game. If, if we give the Bruins fans, there's lots of hockey fans, as you guys know, in New England that, that are diehards. And if we can break the game down a little bit more detail than, than what you can on Nesson and what they do on the radio, then that was the idea. And it's, it's going well. And the longer the Bruins go, the better it is for, for all of us. And that's morning brew BRU, right? Yeah, it's very, very creative. That yeah. again, not me. No, the hot no. Meal guy. That, that, that doesn't work. The hot meal guy. guy doesn't have that creative cat hat. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they uh no, it's 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 excellent. It's uh I, I love it how it's you know, just a quick hit. It's twenty minutes, twenty you know, twenty minutes to a half hour. I've listened to a bunch of them. And like you said, the the sports radio talk around here, um, being frank is a little a, a whole lot of nonsense. So it's nice to hear that you guys have a great outlook on the games, wins or losses. I'm sure the hottest part is probably uh, what to say after a, a, a loss, right? You don't want to be bashing guys too much, but uh, it's definitely uh, must must listen to. I've really enjoyed uh, getting your guys's takes on things, and and you know, good luck with it. Hopefully, uh, much continued successes, and and hopefully the the bees continue on here. It's nice to see them up two to one. It is nice. They they got a little fortunate after game three. I think they didn't they didn't play great, uh, at least up until the end of the third. So dodging bullets, and that's what it's all about. You guys know in playoff time, it's all about as much as it is playing great. It's about figuring out how to win when you don't play great. And that's a great point. We talked about it earlier about playoff hockey in particular. You're getting everyone's best shift, or you you want you want everyone's best shift. The intensity is up. Um, you know, and so any shift can be the difference in a game. And, you know, you saw it uh, last night, you know, uh, unfortunately it was a goalie D exchange with, with Sim, Simpsonoff. And, uh, we, uh, we, the, the bees came out on top, but that, um, you know, that quality of play, that little uptick in intensity, uh, attention to detail. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this series goes, but, um, it's going to be tight either way, I believe. So, yeah, the, yeah. matched. It's it's it still has a feel of going six seven games. And to your point, it hockey's still a game of mistakes. And even though that intensity goes up and every shift means so much, it's still that's that's what it's all about at at every level. And you try and hammer it into the younger guys in major tournaments. You know, stay focused and and be ready. But someone's got to make a mistake. And and last night it was Samsonov. It, you typically, you know, someone's making that mistake come overtime to, to cost your team or give the other team opportunities. And you have to find a way to 
to to leave it in the past and move to the next game because it's just inevitable. It's going to happen, and the team that that deals with it best is the one that goes the furthest. That's a good point. Absolutely, we were just talking about um, some off ice habits, and we we want to walk you through your your hockey journal. But while it's fresh in our mind, uh, we were talking about Franklin and some street hockey products and kids getting out of the you know. Right now at this time of year, and I know you have some, some you know, your, your three kids are playing hockey, but getting, a, um, you know, shooting pucks and doing things away from the rink. And I brought up the fact that I think it's very important for goalies that this, this shouldn't just be like a challenge for, for defensemen and forwards to go out and shoot pucks. I think it's very valuable for defensemen, I'm sorry, for goaltenders to be in the yard working on their shots and working on their passing because I think the better that they are at handling the puck, it's just such a value add for, uh, you know, for any goalies out there and young goalies out there for that matter. The, the sooner you're able to handle the puck and get it up to your defenseman or make an outlet pass to your winger or a D peeled off in the corner, uh, it becomes so, so valuable. But So you as a goaltender, can you talk to that a little bit? Absolutely. Those those skills can set you apart as a goaltender. There's no question. Every coach and every defenseman wants to play with a guy who, who can move the puck even at a younger age. And I, I would say it's you don't need to go out and put all your goalie equipment on and shoot pucks on in the driveway. Go out and have a player stick. Have have play with your buddies, shoot with your buddies. Uh that that's gonna develop that strength in the wrists and the hands. It, it's gonna develop the hand eye that you need to be accurate. I know and again, the beauty of it, and I know that's kind of where you guys are going, is you don't have to go to the rink five days a week to do it. You don't have to be doing up and downs and wrecking your hips to get better as a goaltender throughout the summer. You just don't need to do it at a young age. Um, you can still play your soccer, your baseball, your lacrosse, come home and shoot some pucks and be, become a better goalie. It, you just will come September, October. And uh, get out on your roller blades. Get you know, I, I, as a kid, that's all I did all summer. I was on my roller blades out in the out in the road, just up and down the wing, taking clappers like Mark Messier and uh, trying to go bar down. And it, it all of that hockey sense, all it, it, it comes into play, and it does. It, it sinks into you. The more you watch playoffs every, wake up every morning, watch all the highlights. You're going to become a better goalie without having to get on the ice and. And beat your body up, or you know, be be in the rink, being cold in the middle of summer. Uh, there are lots of different ways, and, and certainly shooting pucks as a normal player, normal hockey player, can benefit a goaltender in a major way. You'll see a big, big change between April and September. Well, Razor, I I can attest to that um, hockey intellect playing with with you on the Bruins alumni games. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I can attest to you going by down, but uh, <laughs> oh, I'm a disher, you know. I'm always yeah. looking to pass that I, one. I'm always coming late. I know Ray's <laughs> a, a, the, the number one, you know, coming up the wing. He's curling back. He's curling back, <laughs> looking for the second wave. I love it. So yeah. you're one of those guys that that once you had you were done with you know taking rubber. Now you're a, you think you're the the toe drag guy. You're the forward. Uh, no question about it. I know I could have played in the National League as a, <laughs> as a, as a first line centerman, working the power play in the half wall. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, <laughs> glory That's, days. I'm like yeah, Al yeah. Bundy out there in alumni games. Oh <laughs> <laughs> God. Well, actually, you suited up on a couple of ones that you know the Flyers one that we had where that was actually a good game. It was. Um, yeah, they had they had some some good players, but that was. Uh, those alumni games are always fun, but yeah, but I, to your point though, I, I do, um, 
actually agree with everything you said. What about goalies if they're shooting pucks with their gloves on? You know, because we were talking about that. I never even thought of it. I never really even mentioned it to uh, the goalies that I've coached. But, you know, like how Marty Turco with the top hand or, yeah. or underneath or, you know, just getting that. If they're just getting into it, do you think that would be beneficial as well? It is. It is. You can mix it in. I, I know it's a lot harder. That's mm-hmm. that's the thing. So you don't want to discourage, get discouraged because the first time you do it, it's even harder off the plastic. It's okay. harder to shoot typically, you know, for anybody, especially when you're a little younger. So, so yeah, throw the gloves on sometimes. I just know, especially with my little guy too, he's like, you know, I can't raise it or I, I can't score. I can't get it to the net. And uh, that's where you want to, all right, just go shoot with a normal puck if you're not okay. there. But as you get a little older, a little more stronger, to be do that two or three times a week, go out there for a half an hour and shoot with your gloves on. Again, it's going to make such a difference. And to your point, you get you can figure out the different techniques that work for you, whether it's glove over or top, you know, put that hand right on top of your butt end. Lots of different ways. And the only way, ice time's so precious. You, you just don't have, guy, coaches aren't going to take time out to just let goalies shoot pucks. So you, you have to find all of that on your own time if, if you really want to, again, set yourself apart a little bit. Yeah, we also talked about the kind of the progression that I talked to my goalies about was, you know, first and foremost, getting out and stopping the puck. You know, when you start being able to feel comfortable enough, so you have to be a good skater to get in the footwork to get out of the net and anticipate. And just stopping the puck is the first thing. And then the next time, next thing is to move it, you know, to a defenseman and then possibly to an outlet, outlet winger. But, you know, is that you th- do you agree with that progression of of kind of just getting that comfort level, just getting out, stopping it, get back in the net, and then kind of moving on from there, making the right decisions with the puck? Well, absolutely. And getting out on that outside edge. Uh, younger goalies always want to be on their inside edge. And, and you go to goalie school, you watch everybody's always inside edge, T push, inside edge, shuffle, inside edge. But again, setting yourself a part of the goalies that get, get on the outside edge, do crossovers. You know, when, when you're not getting shots in practice, cross over, just go around the net both ways. Work on getting back to the to the board to stop it as quickly as possible. And and that's the that is the progression, you know, to get out, stop it, then get comfortable making an, a little outlet pass to your D or just putting it up around the boards. In most minor hockey, that'll be more than enough for your team to figure a way out of the zone. And do it. The big thing is coaches get players get nervous on Saturday morning in a three. If it's a three nothing game, get out and stop the puck. If you screw it up, coaches allow the goalie to screw it up. It's going to benefit your team throughout the season. Of course, in a championship game, in the Sunday afternoon tournament, maybe if you're not a good puck handler, you don't go trying that in a one nothing game. But but a lot, so many of these teams and games are lopsided for the most part throughout the season. They're four nothing. They're five nothing. If you're on either side of that. Get out there and stop it. Go out, go for a skate and, and work on it that way. That's that's really the best way and in non-pressure situations that that will give you those game looks. And and as well, coaches listening, work it in practice. When you dump when you're doing breakouts, try and work a dump in and don't just hammer it around where a nine-year-old kid can't go get it. You know, give them an opportunity to touch it, shoot it right in on them and have them go and set it beside. There's lots of ways you can small little pieces where you can integrate these guys, your goaltenders to make them better over the entire season without 
taking 20 minutes of your practice time. No, that's great. Great points. I love Mots. For whatever reason, every time we get a goalie on here, when we talk to Weeks, he was the same way. It's like we want to just pick their brain and be, you know, like, yeah. like what makes learn- you tick? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Everyone's getting out of the way of the park. And you're, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah I know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but so, so. Uh, Razor, to bring it back, obviously you, you know, you grew up in, uh, in Belleville, uh, Ontario, obviously great, you know, hockey tradition and a lot of, uh, former NHLers that, that, that played up in that area. So walk us through your path and, and, you know, where it all started for you. When did you put the pads on? Were you playing, were you playing street hockey? Were you, did you start playing out or, or, you know, when did you, when did you realized that you were a little bit crazy and wanted to get hit with rubber rather than, you know, the old Olay like I was uh, loved doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, I, I definitely could have played first line center, quarterback and power play on the half wall. So I started out as a defenseman and then a forward. I scored a bunch of goals when I was seven or eight. Um, you could skate around, you just go around and flip it top shelf i remember a few of those goals so you needed a new challenge i yeah that's By right eight and years old you'd had it yeah, you know, yeah I, was I'm all our, I was the next gretzky you know and and i didn't want to necessarily go down that path so uh for <laughs> yeah. whatever reason i decided to be a goalie one summer and uh, like i said i was on you know it was still a or double a hockey in my small town but it, it was you know i was okay and uh, my parents fortunately went along with it and the coaches that I was with were, had no problem. So I was about nine or 10 when I went to goalie. Uh, and and it, it turned out to be a, a decent life decision in the end, which is always funny to look back and uh, do that and make it turn out that way. But um, was able to hang around. So like you said, we had a lot of good hockey players, um, especially right around my age group. We really started to develop because it was the first – First time our, our town had AAA hockey or our area had AAA hockey was on, I was in Adam, major Adam, second year Adam, which is squirt, I think here, I guess, uh, second year squirt. So that's when it really started to, to amp up. So by the time all of us got through the AAA program, we were sending guys to the OHL, the major junior hockey and, and NCAA. Uh, we had a couple guys go to St. Lawrence through our program um, and, and we had Rick Mahar, who's a BU guy, actually, uh, from, you know, Mike Ruzzoni days, the, yep, the good old yep. days. Rick has always had a golf tournament at home. So we'd have a bunch of NHLers. We'd all caddy in the summer for the big tournament that you can imagine was a boondoggle. And we <laughs> loved it because we got to see these NHLers have 100 beers out on the course. And um, it brought the NHL close to, like, attainable. And it, it was something that you could do, and it was around us a little bit. So um, I had three goalies. There was I, one of us was all, two of us were obviously always on the team, and one guy in and out on AAA. And all three of us ended up playing major juniors. So there was a lot of competition in the net growing up. I wasn't this kid who was a first overall pick. I was 117th to the OHL, which is absolutely nothing. Um, basically gets you a bus ticket to wherever you are going and no, no way of actually knowing you're on the team, no guarantees at all. And that was to Sudbury, Sudbury Wolves out of tier two hockey. So I played major Bantam. Then I played a year of tier two instead of midget, which was, you know, pretty typical. There was a, a quite a few tier two teams in my, in my area. 
So I was still living at home then and then drafted by the Sudbury Wolves and went up there. And uh, Steve Valiket was the other goalie. And again, really competitive. Another guy who played a long career in the NHL. He was a 20-year-old guy when I went up there. And he got hurt in the first couple weeks of the season. And I rolled off about 15 starts as a 17-year-old and played pretty decent, wasn't a big guy. But I ended up getting on that central scouting, getting noticed early in the year, which is basically what it takes to get drafted is having an opportunity. And I was probably 13th, 14th on central scouting. I was only 150 pounds and, you know, not a, again, not a blue chip by any means at all. Um, had a decent year. And, and like you say, got drafted by the Bruins, 135, which uh, dream come true. Fifth, you know, fifth round doesn't, again, I, we could go through the list of guys that got drafted that year and, uh, 129 of them that went ahead of me didn't make it. So it, you, you don't get too much in the fifth round given to you, but it was confidence and you just keep building. I played the long game. I always played the long game because I wasn't a stud that, that that's the way I, I just had to keep showing up and everything continue to fall in place and you have bumps in the road and you, you got through them. The pick right after uh, Rob Scuderi Mots. Did you know that little yeah, fun I, fact for you? 134, that. 135. That's solid. I Yeah. Good Pretty drafting. Solid. Yeah, that's right. So do you think playing out as a forward and a defenseman up until, you know, age 10 helped you when you went into the net, because a lot of times we talk about goalies and, and how they should probably be the best skater on the ice, but a lot of people don't know that. They should. And I, the, the big thing is, and, and what I see is that goalie at 8, 9, 10, my, even 11 is, isn't real goalie. The net's f- 4 by 6. These kids are playing in the same net that Tuka Rask is playing in, who's six foot four. So... It, to, to be able to create hockey sense that you really need as a goaltender. Goal, the best goaltenders have the best hockey sense. They recognize plays being made. They recognize how their D's playing. They recognize opportunities out there. And to your point, the skating. If you just stick a, a five-year-old kid in the net, when's he ever going to get better skating if he's mm-hmm. just always the goalie? You talk about inside edges. I mean, yeah, he's going to have great inside edges, but he's never done a crossover in normal equipment. He's just always had the big goalie gear on and I think by the time you turn 14, 13, when you actually get, and you don't have that skill, it's really hard to get it. So even when I was a goaltender and my parents never played hockey, my dad, I never put a pair of skates on. But the deal was when I did go goalie that I had to do power skating. And I don't know where he came up with it. I don't know what, like, again, he never even watched a hockey game in our house. Like it was, (laughs) um, so I don't know where he came up with it. But Sunday mornings, I had to go down to the rink. I think he probably thought that I would quit if you made me do that because I had to get up at seven in the morning and go down to the rink and and literally do edge work and crossovers and this is in 19 what 1988 89 90 somewhere in there and uh that's what I did and I ended up I did love it I was out on the ice and that that was part of you know getting better and, and that skating so so back to your question yeah I I sometimes I would love to see all kids, you know, yeah, go in and play goalie, but rotate everybody through, you know, through that might program, even at a high level. I understand there's some big tournaments and you have a goalie that's better than others. But at the end of the day, I think you're doing a disservice to, 
to to your son daughter if they're always goalie all the time it's such a good point you bring up about the hockey sense and you think about it some of the like your business now some of the guys that are the best uh broadcasters or or um color guys and things like that are former goaltenders and i never really thought of it uh but it's such a great point about you have to have such high hockey iq obviously we know that you know the game's in front of you and you're watching it and you've got to watch plays develop and think about the game and you know is this guy going to make that pass and things like that but it's just a that's just a a, a great point and it's something i i you know even me playing hockey my whole life, I never, I never thought of it. Yeah, and you guys, you guys do the D work. D works is similar, you know, just one layer back. But you have to know what a forward's tendencies are. What is this for? You know, when this forward puts the puck in this situation, is he shooting or is he trying to drive the net on you? Is he going to pull up? All those different nuance that that the goalie needs to know as well. Really, the the best way to do it is be a defenseman for a little while and and, and be there and recognize you know, those different plays up close and what a defenseman wants to do and what's easier for a defenseman and how the angle and things like that. So, so yeah, it's, it really is. And it's, it can be more fun when you play on a team that doesn't get any shots when you're eight years old. I mean, it, it kills me to watch that 10, nothing game where the goalie, does, you know, you're standing there for an hour and a half and rather than going out there and scoring some goals and, and having fun with your buddies on the bench. Yeah, I say that the goalie's in a fixed position. Yeah, the the net's not moving. The crease is there. He should be technically sound with with the help of the uh, the paint. But to your point, though, being processing, knowing where everyone is on the ice, so you don't get surprised if it deflects off a stick and goes to a guy on the back door. You know that someone could be over there, always taking a look, head on a swivel, and then what plays into that. What we like to do uh, with our team is really that that trust factor and say playing a two-on-one much easier for you to just focus in on the shot on not allowing the pass to get through as a defenseman but that goes into who you're playing with does he understand that that's his role and then you know you can make your position easier you can make the defenseman's job easier so you're not trying to do too much so we try to construct drills and and you know let's just say you bounce it behind the net so you have to go from post to post and then it's a short two-on-one down in, in, in front of the net. It's a great drill to kind of check all those boxes. But um, I, it was always good to have a goaltender that you trusted could take a shot, just the shot, and wasn't cheating, and then you could do your job. So that that kind of plays into the team aspect for some coaches that are listening. It, it's really good to have that you know seamless uh, message between goaltender and D. And that communication, the communication piece is so important, right? Just as a defenseman, right? I'm just thinking about it as, you know, little points, little finger points or, 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 you know, trying to talk as much as you can for pucks, but, you know, letting that guy know, all right, I get the passer, I get the, I get the passer, you get the shooter, things like that is, is so valuable. It is. And, and you guys know the, the younger kid, it's so hard to get the younger guys to talk, right? To communicate to, for them to, to process everything that's going on out there and, and use their words to talk. That's another way to, to differentiate yourself as a goaltender. You can, you can really help your team and, and coaches. You can really instill it with your goaltenders. And, and again, they're going to make mistakes doing it. And I, and I think that's always the concern, especially, you know, as coaches as well, that, I don't want him to screw up, so I'd just rather him keep his mouth shut. I don't want him to tell him to reverse it, and RD screws it up, and they come back. Well, he told me to reverse it. And he, that's okay. That's how they learn. Like, you know, Again, maybe not a championship game, but those are different learning points. And in a practice, 
instill it. Make sure you, your goalie has to talk. Stop the drill. If he doesn't say it, tell them what to do. If you know, you guys start practice with uh, a three breakout drill, goalie, you need to know what they're doing. You need to call it out as they're doing it. D to D, reverse, rim. Uh, those are all ways that, that as coaches, we can make these goalies better as well and, and make them do that. Yeah, I, I say, you know, as you get older, that communication has to be correct, though, when, you know, you're getting cleaned out as a D-man when the goalie's yelling, <laughs> time, time, time. Yeah, yeah. You know, but your you goalie, know, I, you better learn. You're, you're going to learn quick because if yeah. you get you get your defenseman plastered once or twice, he's going to come across the top with that stick over the crossbar, <laughs> and, and, and the D-man's in more than more than right to do that. There's yeah. no question. No, but Razor, that, yeah. Razor, who was your uh, your guy growing up? Like, did, were you a Maple Leafs fan? Who was your goalie that uh, you said, "I want to be, I want to uh, be this guy"? I was a Habs fan, so it was Patrick Wall all the way. Yeah, no, I hated no. the Bruins, man. I hated Ray Bork <laughs> and Cam Neely. Uh, I despised them in the late '80s when they were beating Montreal. So, Montreal Canadiens, Patrick Wall all the way, and then Felix Potvin came in '92, '93. Yeah. So, I got a lot more Toronto games on TV. So a lot of Felix, and then I got to play with Felix's last year, which was kind of the coolest thing ever. So as far as getting in your first action, I believe you came in in relief of Byron Defoe. I did. You just get in the mix. Uh, not really sure what's going to happen. You get thrown in there. Didn't get credit for the win, though, huh? No, we were – fortunately, we were – so, so yes, I, got, I came out of camp as 20-year-old. And four months earlier, I was playing major junior. Then I was all of a sudden playing in the Philadelphia, the, the new spectrum that they called it at the time. And uh, fortunately, we were up five to one. But there's eight minutes left. And I was really nervous about giving up that lead. <laughs> really <laughs> nervous about giving up that lead. But fortunately, made a couple saves. Uh, John LeClaire, he got one shot and, and didn't go in, made a few saves. And, and then two days later, I had my first start in the garden at the fleet center at that time against Florida Panthers and, and Pavel Bure. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Th those are things you'll never, never forget, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's funny as I, we get older, you forget lots of stuff. You know, I could have at the time I would have went through the whole season and every play and, and now you get further away from it. And I only remember a few things here and there, but, but it is, I remember those days. That's for sure. And then as far as the, the following year, actually you had a couple of years there, but uh, the Calder Trophy. So talk about that year and that run. And uh, just, I mean, as a goalie, having the confidence, you know, to be the guy and, and, and then performing. Yeah, and like you said, I had a couple of years pro under my belt and, and learned so much in the minors, learned how to, you know, I learned how to be bad. I learned what I needed to do to fight through it. I had, you know, you have adversity, a lot of adversity in the, in the minors. Everybody does. And lots of dark days when you're just trying to figure it out. And uh, by the time 03 came, I'd been up in the NHL enough. And that summer, I filled out a little bit, got stronger. I was here in Boston all year. So I got comfortable with the guys. And it, it just all clicked. And it, you go through the season and you start out, it was all, that season was all about me not getting sent to the minors again. That was my focus. I wake up every morning. I'm going to do whatever I can not to go back to, to Providence. And, you know, you stay in that moment. You stay day to day. And all of a sudden, come the end of the season, you're, you're playing Montreal in the Stanley Cup Finals. And it, it, that's, that's basically just how it grew. And, and to win the Calder was, you know, such an honor. It was, it was 
something you can never imagine. And it was it was with a good team in front of me, Joe Thornton, Glenn Murray, Sergey Samsonov. Uh, with those guys, just a great group of people. And uh, don't forget, don't forget season. about our producer's favorite player, PJ Axel. Oh, Axelton. of course, Axel, yeah, the bad. That, what a penalty kill specialist. That's couldn't the, break a but pain like glass with his shot. That's Pelinane's like yeah. favorite player and ultimate Bruin. It's like PJ Axelson, Bobby Orr, uh, <laughs> Ray Bork. Yeah. Uh, absolutely and maybe maybe you're number four or something but yeah thanks yeah, that, for that's our, in the top that, five that's our, anyways that's our producer's number one number <laughs> one guy actually i loved Axie too because to your point Mott, he couldn't ever hurt me with a shot in practice so i <laughs> yeah. loved it when he came in and shot at me yeah shooting marshmallows at you <laughs> yeah what a guy man he's he's one of the best but yeah again that was our third line was martin lapointe pj axelson and brian ralston i mean we had a pretty deep forward line yeah, I remember you, you made a uh, a push at the trade deadline too and got um you know Gonchar, right? And yeah, Nylander. Nylander, yeah, and kind of stocked up there and made a um you know some good tra- trade deadline acquisitions, but it just didn't work out. Um, yeah, Jumbo broke his ribs. That's right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he broke his ribs two days before playoffs, and I mean he just couldn't. He could barely sleep, let alone get out there and uh yeah heartbreaking game seven loss one that's a day i won't forget either that's a tough one you don't forget the losses sometimes no. Yeah. oh no especially ones that sting you know? yeah that one sucked you did play for some uh i mean pat burns mike keenan mike sullivan i mean some some kind of it was a crazy time you know the the in Boston around that time, you know, when you were coming in, it was uh, it, just all those different coaches and personalities. And obviously the, the Thornton trade, it was, it was kind of like a, the wild, wild West here. It was, it's so, and when, it, you know, I left in 06 at the end of 06 and to come back here in 13 and actually be around the Bruins again, I mean, night and day. And it just even typically, like, I think it's, just the way that downtown Boston was. I mean, the dig, it was a, it was chaos downtown, you know, like you couldn't get anywhere. The, there's construction everywhere. And then you come back in 13 and you have a seaport and you have all these built, you're like, wow, this is a, a different city. And, and that's kind of the way I look at the Bruins as well. Just a different organization altogether. It was, uh, we had, I had like five coaches in that time and, and it just uh, a lot going on throughout the you know at, at different times and uh with Zidane Chara and and what they've done built around Patrice who was there at the start of all that so he would remember that as well but um you know it's certainly different it's been fun to be an alumni now you know it, it's it's actually more fun than than even at the time playing in front of a half empty building at the fleet some nights a lot less pressure if you lose to some you know scrub coaches or whatever right <laughs> yeah, exactly. for a charity event yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot more. You we know, never lose, though. We never lose. No, we're always gonna, you know. Especially Mott's now with the new hip. He, oh, like, a lot of man. pressure, though. You a lot should, of oh, pressure. No, there is a lot of pressure. He on might even Mott's. get to the first line with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's I don't got a long know way that. to go to get yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. He's got a long way to go to get there. <laughs> gotta, gotta grease the trainers and, and nifty <laughs> yeah. a little bit. That's hang my jersey in the right locker room you know like all the all the perks that's right but as far as bruins fans uh you know they're fortunate to have a 
uh, a goaltender in Tuka Rask right now. You're a part of that trade in 2006. So he was a, just a prospect for the Montreal, I mean, I'm sorry, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, did you have any inkling that you would be traded that summer or any any thoughts on that? Yeah, we, we all, they were blowing it up. Joe got traded in the fall. And most guys only had one-year deals. We were horrible that year. Uh, I wasn't very good that year. So it, it, I had the sense that I was going somewhere, and, and it ended up being Toronto. And, and then, of course, ended up being Tuka Rask, which you know, has connected me for a lot longer than I ever thought I would be connected to, to Toronto, the Bruins, the NHL. You know, I figured when I was, I'd be long gone and dust, but, but mm-hmm. I'm for somehow still relevant, especially uh, in, in these markets because of the Tuka trade. And, yeah, he was an 18-year-old kid. No, I mean, no one knew who he was. And uh, he turned out to be pretty decent. I always yeah. say, though, if, he, if I had stayed here and he had went to Toronto, it would have been much different for him and I. But yeah. uh, that's only my yeah, own so, mind. So you're, you're welcome, Bruins fans, right? Yeah, you did exactly. everybody a favor. I did. You, and I, I did Tuca a favor, keeping him out of Toronto in that circus. Yeah. yeah. I, I was up there just playing for the Miley's, and there was uh, like 24-hour um, – coverage and like oh. scro- scrolling stats i'm like so that's why the bartender knows that i'm a dash six playing for the toronto Marlies. Yeah. No, no, not even just the the maple leaves that was still that was scrolling on three stations but there was a Marlies station too and i was like uh-huh. wow this is uh unbelievable but the coverage is just a different animal and um yeah you're kind of under a microscope i'm sure it'd be great to win there but um a lot of expectation and almost unfair expectation at sometimes no question it, it the only th- anyone that it's like the red Sox in the early 2000s before they won yeah. you know when they're blowing here you know boone aaron boone those kinds of things that's what it was that's what it's like up there and it's uh until they win that's that's how it's gonna be and, and to your point, it's gonna. I'm sure it's fun up there for those guys this season. They're winning, but unless they, if they don't bring a cup home, it's 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 a long summer, you know, hanging around Toronto and everyone telling you how much you suck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did. You did manage one really good season up there where you tied, you know, 37 wins. You tied Eddie the Eagles' uh, record for most wins in a in a season. So it was you. You did. You know, how did you deal with that pressure? Yeah, it was a lot. I played at 72 games that season. It was every night, and uh, I was I was spent at the end. It, it took everything I had, and we ended up missing the playoffs on the last day. And, and I think had that had we gotten the playoffs, it would have changed the narrative a little bit. But but like we just talked about, you can't lose up there. You you, you know if you don't make the playoffs, it's you you all need to get sent out of town. And and I I didn't deal with it great. I took it really personally. I put it all on my shoulders and. You know, I was still young. I was only 26, 27. So, it, you know, I think now or even a little bit older, it's it'd be easier to deal with or, or find ways to cope with it. I, I should have found a way to get away or, or, or you know, get a reset. But I, I wasn't able to do that. And the next year, I just wasn't good. I couldn't, couldn't handle it. And I couldn't, you know, get myself, my game to where it needed to be between my ears. And that's a huge part of being a, a confident goaltender. And I'm sure that you... You know, after that, you, you you moved around a little bit. You know, Colorado, Vancouver, Dallas. But being a backup, could you talk about being? You know, the mindset difference between being a starter and the backup role, and um, you know, just what it takes to kind of stay sharp, and if if it's you know a difficult thing to do. 
it is difficult. It's it's night and day. The position's different. The the amount of work, the different kind of work you have to do. Morning skates, pre and post. You got to be ready for all the other guys. You're just working, working, and and then the hardest part is is when you actually get in. You're always getting the second of the back to backs, and you're getting the road game against the Detroit Red Wings, and instead of the the home game against the the Florida Panthers at that time. You know, I'm talking dating myself with these teams and how they are playing now, but uh, that, that was always a difficult part. You got to go in and, and find a way to perform, you know, against the odds because you're always getting the tough start. You're always getting the, the short end, the one that the starter doesn't want. So it's all about being a good teammate at the end of the day. That's the guy you, you stick around because you're a good guy in the room. You work hard. You root guys on. You help guys on power play, penalty kill. You, you, you're those eyes on the bench. You're, you're a half coach watching a lot of these games. And uh, that's that, again, kids listening, yeah, at all levels, it, that there's only two, one guy that can take the net. So to be on these teams, you have to be a good guy and you have to be ready to go all the time. But, but in, take it, take pride in it. That, that's what I found. You know, at time, when I first started being that backup, I was like, ah, whatever. But, but by the end, it, you, you take pride in being good at that. And, and, it's, it's not, and not everyone can do it. And, you know, I learned to, to, to like it and, and grow. I grew into it. I got two things for you. The, and it's talking a little bit on the youth hockey train here, but this is a question I get a lot. So at the younger levels, two goalies or one goalie, what do you prefer? And, you know, I guess I'd follow it up with in the, um, you know, as you get older in your career in, in the NHL, who was like one of your, you know, somebody that you played with that you really were like, wow, this guy's unbelievable. Another goaltender, I mean. So I'll start with the first one. It, definitely that one goalie is best. At some point, you're going to have two guys. It's, and it's, you know, that peewee age level where you're looking at guy, you're having two guys just because there's so much other stuff going on. Coaches need practices, things like that. But it, again, the other thing is with, if you can have two goalies and one guy plays out, you know, that's the other option at the, the younger level, the minor and the score. You have two guys, but only one dresses every game, and the other guy can go play forward or defense. That's that's a good setup as well if you can make that happen. And then the two guys I played with that were like – I played Roberto Luongo. I mean, enough said, Hall of Famer. But the most talented guy I ever played with was Kari Lettinen in Dallas. Um, second overall pick, just lights out. A guy – no one could ever score on him in practice. And – he ended up being on teams that weren't great, never got on playoff runs, things like that. Probably maybe not had enough discipline enough throughout or, or to, you know, like a Marty Brodeur type guy, Patrick Watt type intensity. But his skill level was like something I've never seen. To see that every day was was amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, as far as you're talking about, you know, that when you're being a backup about being a, a team guy, you know, we're joking around about it being a glue guy, but it really is. It's a mindset, uh, you know, and going from a starter to a, a backup, you know, we talked to Kevin Weeks. I was able to play with Kevin Weeks. And he was one of the best team guys. You know, Marty's taken the net most games, but he was always ready and he played well when he went in. And, you know, he kept guys loose. It was a little tighter environment there, but he was, yeah. he was really so like there's there's really a huge value add when you have the right guy who can, can embrace that role like you did later in your career and and also still perform when you get in the net because your numbers are still good. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that that skill is is definitely a learned skill. And 
it kind of speaks to your character as well. So good job on that. You know, extending the career a couple of extra years. Too. Yeah, that's what it's <laughs> kind of all about. At some point, you just try and hang on, hang yeah. on and hope. Well, that's great. Well, we uh, actually one last thing here before we let you go. I know uh, right. you got uh, kid duty and whatnot, like everyone here. So um, yeah. you coached with Mike Cavanaugh uh, yeah. down down at uh, University of Connecticut, UConn, and Brendan Buckley. Uh, the Buckman. The Buckman. Buck so um, just as far as the coaching side of things, um, did you find value in that? You know, I know you're kind of like looking to maybe get into something or keep your hand in the game in some aspect. Did you really enjoy kind of having an impact uh, down at UConn? I did. And it was, it was, it was right after I was done and Cav reached, you know, I was able to, to get in touch with him and, and it was a perfect setup for a couple of years. And unfortunately it, it, the hour and a half drive to, took its toll and the kids get older. You just can't keep doing it. But I loved it to be able to, to deal with college kids uh, be around the team a little bit and and it yeah it made me sharper and now coaching i'm at stop it i help out we do it the academy every day and it helps my broadcasting now i'm staying on sharp on what's new what guys are doing why they're doing it and then coaching all the young kids you know all the teams that my kids are on um it, it's made me better if i went in I, i'd be better technically than i was at the time and i've learned a lot more and i think all of us as coaches need to remember that we can we need to keep learning and what what we used to do or what we used to learn isn't always the best way. There's always new ways. And for me, that's that's what I'm learning now and thinking about the game differently. And it's, uh, you know, to talk about goaltending is easier now probably than what it was. I, that's something I just did. You know, I I went out and stopped pucks. This is, you know, but now I, I think about it and, and explain it a little bit better and, and coaching and that's what it does and, and starting at UConn that's 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 kind of where it's it began that's great well we want to uh, thank you for your time and yeah Ray it's always a pleasure you know we got to get out on the golf course oh, uh, soon wait. yeah can't wait weather's here so uh anytime let's play we got it we got Sounds a good foursome good. right here so let's yeah, play. yeah yeah it's a date let's go and make sure you guys check out the uh the morning brew with Jaffe and Razor. Uh, hopefully the Bruins can keep rolling along here and, and you'll be able to keep that podcast going. But good luck with that. And and it was a pleasure. Uh, you know, I think this is, is you know, very good stuff. And it's just uh, so helpful for our listeners, not only as, you know, as, as goaltenders, as parents and, and everybody. It's just that hockey IQ stuff is, is so valuable. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Anytime. My pleasure. All right, and once again, thanks to uh, Andrew Raycroft. That was a great interview. It was great chatting and catching up with him. Uh, I would like to talk about TSR Hockey. TSR Hockey is New England's premier hockey store and is the proud partner of the Rink Shrinks. TSR Hockey is the hockey store that specializes in fitting. TSR fits players correctly to the right gear to maximize each player's performance. TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best this season. Visit www.tsrhockey.com. Mots, I know they've hooked us up in the past. They're great guys. They have 
unbelievable products from Bauer, CCM, Travis Matthew, uh, all these different big name brands that they can, that their team uh, outfitters can really, you know, take care of and get, get your teams looking shop for the season. Yeah. Now they have great selection and BY being the fashion police that they'll, they'll definitely take care of your good friends at uh, TSR hockey, you know, check them out at tsrhockey.com and they'll take care of any anything you need good stuff Mots. just wrapping up here did you see um you know big shout out to uh casey bellamy uh obviously she's a, a fellow wildcat like myself um we're good friends with her brother rob who's a, a great dude but she uh she retired this week which uh unbelievable career for her and i saw some uh some touching little moments on uh online just her teammates talking about her and her character and how good of a teammate she was and uh how welcoming of a teammate she was when players came in and obviously she's you know become a veteran on that u.s olympic team and you know she's got two silver medals one gold and uh and just somebody that you know really is a uh you know like megan duggan who we've talked to before were just you know really pioneers in the women's game uh as of late and uh so congrats to her on a great career yeah, she was one of the pioneers, like you said, just as far as getting over that hump and winning medals and, and being a great role model for these girls uh, coming through. And, um, yeah, she is a great person, and her brother Rob is exceptional as well. Like He's a really good dude. Check his, uh, You can check him, him out. He's a, a musician and killing it. He's always great. Uh, but, yeah, Casey was um, a mainstay on the back end there for the women's um, Olympic team, national teams, and a great leader uh, on and off the ice. And she has a bright future in, in hockey still. Uh, whatever she decides to do, she'll she'll definitely have a positive impact. So congrats to having a great career and uh, best of luck moving forward. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can talk to her and and get her on the show sh- uh, soon. She I know should be a uh, a great guest and you know great for all of our, uh, our our girl players to you know somebody to look up to and somebody to hear from. So, congrats on a great career. Also, congrats to um, Megan Duggan. She was named um, with the New Jersey Devils, the manager of player development. So, big shout out to her. Uh, nice to see that the the shrinks may have helped her uh, land a nice gig in the NHL. Yeah, she's an a, a exceptional person as well. Well spoken, kind of gets her point across. Uh, another leader on that group that did so much for women's hockey. But she's going to do a great job, and and the New Jersey Devils are are lucky to have uh, such a hockey mind. And Megan, and she's uh, she's I, I was there for four years, and. It's a great, great setup down there. They have great facilities, and she'll be able to uh, kind of spread her wings a little bit more. And and we wish her the best of luck as well. Also, Mike Greer, right? Yep. Yeah. Another, another uh, Rink Shrinks guest. Yeah, Big Daddy Greer with the uh, with the announcement. Uh, Scoop C Beach uh, was able to, <laughs> to to break that. I don't know how, but uh, yeah, I got I got lucky with that one. But uh, yeah, no big shout out to Grizzy. Hopefully, uh, we'll still see him around. I know. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he's still around and he's he's able to jump on the ice here and there with uh, with my 2011 group. But he'll be missed. It'll be missed leaning on him every day. That's for sure. But great opportunity for him to go and work with the Rangers and Chris Drury couple terriers reunite there so very excited for him great great person yeah t- took the uh position of another ring shrink guest and brian leach yep uh, we're hitting them all but they're uh yeah they're chris drury's a great person 
great, was a great player. He's going to do a really good job. There. He has a good foundation to work with um, as far as prospects and y- great young talent. And that's a good hire for, for him to grab Grizzy. And, and um, you know, you've worked closely with him, and he's really into the development side of things and kind of approaches the game the right way. So um, it'll be good, good things for the New York Rangers coming up. And he's got pretty pretty good genes in that department when it comes from management and things like yeah. that. Obviously, his brother Chris is the GM of the Dolphins, and his father was the you know head of player development and head of scouting and things like that for the Patriots, Texans. Uh, worked in the NFL for for God probably three quarter of his life. He's uh, he's been around professional sports. So Grizz, he's really got some uh, some you know good people in his corner that he can lean on and, and, you know, dealing with everything that he's going to be dealing with, uh, with the organization. So yeah, congrats to those guys. Uh, I get one more thing. Um, what uh-oh. are you up to this weekend? Uh, I knew where you were going with this one. So I'm breaking all my rules. I'm breaking my own uh, rules. My, my, the only thing I'll, I'll give myself a little bit of a pass. So my, my 2009 team, the parents came to me and said, oh, let's let's do a little tournament just to, you know, for the end of the the spring and kind of lead us into the summer. And then we'll regroup back at the end of August. So we're doing a little tournament. It's local. Everything's, uh, you know, within 15, 20 minutes of here. So a couple of games on uh, Friday, a couple of games Saturday, Sunday. So, yeah, I uh, Wait, did, did you just place yeah. the blame on the parents? No, no, I think <laughs> I said that they came to me. It ultimately it comes back on me. It comes back on me. But no, we talked about picking. Uh, you it's know, that you balance. Play, you know, yeah, a couple tournaments or a tournament with your team, and you know, you just don't want to chase it. That's all. You don't want to yeah. chase the summer tournaments. Um, you know, and and kind of be um, taken away from the developmental side. It's a it's an important time of uh, year to work on the stuff that we talked about earlier and, and getting in the driveway and working on things that you can't necessarily always work on in season. So yeah, um, but you just yeah, called me out. Yeah. Call, you got to call, call you out every once in a while, but yeah. you know, I, I, I think it's all right. You got your group together and you know, I'm sure the boys will be happy to get back together for a tournament. That'll be fun. And we put the kibosh. My son's not missing school on Friday. He's not, he's not missing an, uh, you know, test on Friday to go play in a hockey tournament. So the wife that, wasn't, yeah. Joanna wasn't allowing that. So yeah, there you that, go. We know who runs. We know who runs the house here. Uh, we'll be back next week, episode number twenty. Big, big one coming up, uh, which will be a uh, a mailbag episode. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, um, the Rink Shrinks, and on Twitter at Rink Shrinks. Uh, make sure you guys are filling up that that voicemail. We love hearing those calls. The number is 3476-SHRINK. Again, for you people that can't spell like myself, it's 347-674-7465. Or you can always email us any questions. Just try to keep them short. Sometimes um, you guys know how how our reading skills are. But you can can email us questions at uh, rinkshrinks at gmail.com. So, Good episode, Mots. Thanks to all the listeners out there. Thanks to our sponsors. And uh, big thanks to Andrew Raycroft for uh, for joining us. Yeah, great episode. Just trying to get, give some uh, insight into what you can do on the off uh, off season here. Just we'll get into a, a few more things uh, moving forward as we go. But yeah, be sure to reach out with some stories, some uh, some questions. Hit us up with anything. So 
Don't be shy. We'll see you next week. <laughs>